podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Hill- Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. What is happening <laughs> with me today? I can't speak. Welcome What's to Hell. I don't even know what you said. <laughs> I don't even know what I said. I'll listen to it. I'll figure out what I said in a few days. Huh. Fine. Actually, in a few weeks, but I don't know. What, it's the lemonade I'm drinking. That's what I'm going to blame. Is it hard lemonade? <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> I wish. It is, however, Chick-fil-A lemonade. Okay, so it goes hard lemonade. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I might have been influenced for dinner tonight by a TikTok that I saw. And I went, ooh, Chick-fil-A sounds really good. And I turned to Cody and said, you want to know what sounds really good? Chick-fil-A. And he said, yeah, it does. And I said, let's go get Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. That is how that happened. Mine was, I have half an hour. What can I throw together? So we had grilled chicken. <laughs> I was expecting you to say grilled cheese, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Why? No, that. So, how have you been? Great. Well, I just spent thirty minutes bitching <laughs> to you about the drama at my work, um, and the bullshit, and the injustice, and the stuff I'm not going to say because I don't think it's appropriate to say on the podcast. <laughs> but we're thinking oh, it. We're thinking it. I'm hardcore. Amanda <laughs> learned a valuable lesson today. Do you want to share what that lesson was? Okay, so if somebody sucks enough apparently on the ranking list there's just placeholders in front of them there can be blank spaces and they can be below those blank spaces yeah so if you have a list of like one to three people you can't stand you can have a one you can have nobody 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 and then you can have that other person yeah you can (laughs) as of now you can that's what i'm saying but I like it. There you have it. Teaching you all new things today. <laughs> We're just going to start um, judging people by placeholders. Yeah, I'd be like, they probably have a few blanks in front of them. Oof. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's a hard three place cards right there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> they're a great person. They have three place card leads on other people, okay? Like, they're just... <laughs> We've got a new system, so start measuring how you like people based on the system. I like it. I'm going to start doing it yesterday. Done. Deal. Awesome. <laughs> Anyways, that's <laughs> that's how I've been. So Amanda heard all the complaints about mm-hmm. my work nonsense and my disgruntled whatever that doesn't matter, and I just needed a vent to someone. Um, how are you? Work's been a little crazy for no reason, but right. but okay. So I want to know. We were talking about this the other day. I think it was yesterday at work. I started wondering something. Okay, I had a very particular customer. You live up north. I live in the south. Okay. Fair. Okay. Anybody that's yes, if you're. I live just, more north than you, but I think I'd be considered west. But okay, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you out. Okay. Either way, you don't live in the South. No, I do not live in the South. So I want to know, you as a non-Southerner, if somebody speaks to you in full sentences with not one tooth in their mouth, do you understand them? Um, I think that depends on the person. 
and how aware they are of their missing teeth. Elderly gentlemen, very aware. I probably could understand them just fine. Okay. Because I had, I had one the other day and it was so bad. I turned around and I'm like, how the hell do I know what he wanted? And I just wonder if that's like a Southern talent or if people anywhere else can do that as well. I like to believe that I would be able to understand mostly because if it's a person that is very much aware of their mouth situation, <laughs> I think they tend to try to enunciate and clarify what they're saying more. But if it's like, I don't know, a crackhead with missing teeth, which by the way, Cody has family that way. Um, they don't really care. So, you know, differences. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'd understand them. I don't know. I'll let you know when I get into that situation. Please do. Because I'm um first of all, I would love I just think it would be funny to see you react in that situation. Especially if they had the thick southern accent, I feel like you would giggle. You know, the southern accent might throw me off, but I'm mm -hmm. assuming this is someone from where I'm familiar with. So I would understand their accent better. Okay. Okay. So it's a it's not it's not a southern thing. It's an everybody thing. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay. I needed that because yeah. I was I've been thinking about it for like a day and a half now. I don't know why. Well, I mean it could be worse. Some things you never forget. There's one more thing. I'm probably going to spark some. I'm going to just really tick some people off right now. Okay. Because I almost forgot. Because this is what I was initially going to bitch to you about tonight. Okay. Cody and I got new phones. And we switched <laughs> from Android to Apple to iPhones. Yeah. yeah. I can't decide. Here's the thing. Is obviously with every phone, there are pros and cons. I've had this phone for a couple weeks now fucking drives me nuts <laughs> hey, how how do iphone users like the bubble like on your like i have a bubble on my phone right now it's bugging me i can't get rid of it just by clearing the notification i have to go into that app and clear it does it do that for every app everything oh absolutely not so i have to turn notifications off for anything i don't want the bubble on no, did you see that Twitch? Oh. No, I couldn't oh. do it. And then also, look, we're gonna throw back way back when when we had Brie here. She was the only iPhone user. We ganged up on her. She showed us <laughs> that little bubble that she had on her emails. Wasn't it upward of like ten thousand? It was so many emails. How how do you do it? I, how I, do you just ignore it? I mean, I don't. So I don't know. I couldn't. Look, I have two on there, and that's linked to four different emails. One of them being our Hell on Hills email, or Hell on Hills podcast email, because I can't stand the bubble. By the way, Hell on Hills podcast email, super cleaned up right now. Um, I noticed, but it never, it never occurred to me that it was because of the iPhone. It was because that of the iPhone. <laughs> I just logged yeah, in was, one day, and I'm like, whoa, there's like one email in here. Like, what happened? Now it makes sense. Yeah, no, I clear them out immediately. Because how do you do it? How Mentally, how do you do it? I could, I, wait, okay. So that's for four emails. So it doesn't even tell you what email has the notification. It's just one of these four. You just have to go figure it out. Oh, I, 
I can see which one it is. Okay. You can't see my screen. I can see which one it is. Like I have two emails right now and they're both in my personal account. Okay. So, that would annoy me even more. Granted, <laughs> I have to go to a specific view to see that, but I just ignore those. Like I can pretty easily spot out what is Hell on Hills podcast and what's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also like, hell no. I have unsubscribed from so many things. So many emails. Cannot tell you the last time I hit an unsubscribe button. Daily right now until they're all gone. Until my <laughs> emails are cleared. I will resubscribe on my junk email that I did not connect to this. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. fine because I don't see my Yahoo anyways. But I see my Gmail. And hell no, guys. How do you do it? Like, I even talked to my dad. And I, if I remember correctly, dad, I'm sure you'll correct me if I misspeak. But I'm pretty sure he said those were annoying to him too. My email inbox of any sort has never been cleaner. Never. Getting an iPhone has turned you into a mad woman. I don't get how people ignore them. Like, let me, and then also I can't easily see my notifications. That's annoying, guys. Where's my notification bar at the top? So I can see if I have notifications. Not there. Clearly, I have some grievances about iPhones. Yeah, I was going to say, so not not a fan. There are things I like, like iPhones, me and Cody play games all day in text messages. Those are fun because I kick his ass all the time. Probably <laughs> my favorite thing right now. Um, I do feel like I have a little bit more options with some of the apps that I look for versus mm-hmm. Android, but maybe that's just because it's a different layout, makes it easier to look at. I don't know. <sighs> also, look how cute my puppy is, like. Oh, that's you a know. really good picture. Is she wearing sunglasses? Yeah, she had goggles on. I love it. Um, <laughs> but can an iPhone user, like an avid iPhone user, someone that is like iPhone for life, can you tell me how you do it? Because I don't get it. I got a blank stare I, for you. I can, well, that's because you're Android. Yeah. So I just, I'm just going to say I need one of the iPhone users, one of our listeners, email us, message us, whatever. Tell me how you do it. You can message us on Instagram, Helen Hills Podcast, Facebook, Helen Hills Podcast, uh, X. You do that, whatever. Twitter. They should have kept it Twitter. I mean, they should have kept it Twitter. Yeah, I'm still um, Helen Hills. I know Helen Hills Pod. You can email us Helen Hills Podcast. Um, Discord. We got our Discord. Come on over to Discord and tell me what the hell you're doing. <laughs> um, our link tree i don't think you can well our link tree will give you all the links to all those things so you can make your decision but somebody tell me yeah helen hills podcast at gmail.com just someone tell me something because i don't (laughs) i don't know what is happening in my life like how do you do this how do you iphone can't help you i'm sorry but um i i can tell you a fun way to say a person's name no, thank you. I'm over it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm ready because I know your down. story today. That's okay. Yeah. I don't have anything to talk about. Okay, yeah, cool. Me neither. We're done. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I'm ready for your story. Okay. Yeah. You already know what I'm doing. Um, How did you say it? Pappin? Pappin. That's, that's, that's what I thought. The Pappin sisters. Okay. I know that's not the French way to say it. I am. I'm so sorry. I'm going to do my best France. Okay. I'm going to do my best France. But I am apologizing not, immediately. She's not French, is what she's saying. Oh no! And I'm gonna try to speak it 
but like every YouTube or video I watch about this, French people just sound so classy when they say French. And it's not going to sound like that, okay? But <clears throat> so this is the story of Christine and Leah Papon. Papon? Some English is happening. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to try it. Okay, this is a doozy. So buckle up, buttercup. So they are sisters. I think I said that already. They were born in Le Mans, France, to Clements and Gustave Papon. It just feels so unnatural. While they were dating, Clements was rumored to be sleeping with her boss. She was the talk of the town, kind of, and not in the best way. Regardless of this, when she becomes pregnant, Gustave married her. He made an honest woman out of her. They got married in October of 1901, and in March of 1902, they had their first daughter together, Amelia. And Gustave, he suspected that Clements, or Clements, whatever, I'm sorry, she was still having the affair. Uh, and, she, well, he found a job in another city, and he was like, okay, we're moving to this new city. Clements said that she would take her own life before she left Le Mans. Boy, that is a serious, serious threat. Yeah, zero to 100. And because, you know, because of that, people kind of figured, like, yeah, she's definitely still sleeping with her boss. I was going to say, that's kind of what it's feeling like, ma'am. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't feel great. Um, So their marriage fell apart. They did not move, but their marriage... It fell to pieces. Gustav, he started drinking heavily. And I wish I could say that it gets better, but it doesn't. Christine Papon, she was born. I just realized she was born March 8th, 1905. Twin. That's my birthday twin. Oh, God. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the concern you had so quick. Oh, <laughs> God, because I know I know the story. I know what happens. I I know, but it could be worse. Okay. Oh, my I goodness. know who my birthday twins are, and we're not going to talk about them. <laughs> not yet. Maybe one day. I, I don't know that it'll be anytime soon. After Christine was born, um, Clements she she wasn't a great mom. She was said to not be nurturing. Uh, people said she was. Just flat out unsuitable for motherhood. She gave Christine to her pater to Christine's paternal aunt and uncle not long after she was born. She was just like, here, take this baby. And she stayed with him for seven years. And with her aunt and uncle, she had a happy life. Like she had it kind of good. It was nice. You can just hand children over. I don't think so. I don't feel like that's how it works. I don't think it is. That just seems really strange to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's paperwork involved. Yeah. Or, I feel like there should be, at the very least. Should be something. I had to do a lot just to get Annie in daycare. I had to do a lot of paperwork, and I have to pick her up from it. I don't just leave her there and never come back. And I give her money. I guess the early 1900s was wild. So Leah, Leah was born September 15th of 1911. 
she was given to her maternal uncle. And she lived with this maternal uncle until he passed away. In 1912, Gustav was accused of raping Amelia. I couldn't find out if this ever happened. But um, Amelia would have been about nine or ten years old. I don't love that. Clements and Gustav, no. And this, this kind of, out of everything else, this seemed to be the tipping point. And the parents did get a divorce. They divorced a year later in 1913. Um, And this isn't as good as it sounds because Clements, she believed that Amelia had seduced Gustav, the nine-year-old, seduced her father. Um, So she sent her to Bon Pasteur Catholic Orphanage. This orphanage was known for its heavy discipline. And that is why she sent her there specifically. Look, I don't think a nine-year-old is really, really uh, doing anything to seduce her, her father. Her, fa- her father. Come on, guys. Like, I don't know much. Like, I get that I don't know much, but I am pretty, I'm confident in saying that that's a bit of a stretch. I would have to agree with you on that. Yeah. Now, Clements, she also sent Christine and Leia to an orphanage uh, soon after. And she basically, she would come back every, she would, she was still in their lives. But what she did was pretty much leave them in the orphanage until they were 15. Once they were 15, they were able to get a job. I was about to say, they can work now, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Amelia, she went off to join a convent in 1918. She became a nun. She was said to live the rest of her life there. And that probably not a bad thing because when she became a nun, it just cut off all contact with her family. Christine, she wanted to become a nun as well, but Clements forbid it and forced her to work and then take her money. Why could the one be a nun and follow her passion, but the other couldn't? I assume because she seduced Gustav. Quote, un- allegedly disgusting quotation marks. In the she eyes of no such thing. She, she didn't absolutely do it. Didn't. No. First of all, even, even if she did, ma'am, you were cheating on your husband. Why do you care? That, that's the other thing. Like, wh- I I don't know. I can't even wrap my head around this woman. Now, Christine, when she was at the orphanage, she had been trained in various household duties. She was able to find a job as a live-in maid. And she was described as hardworking and a good cook. But sometimes she was known to be insubordinate. Leia, she also found work as a maid. And the two girls, they tried to stay together when possible. And they ended up working in numerous homes, a lot of them together. I think the majority, actually, of them, they worked together in Le Mans. Leia, she was said to be quiet and introverted. She was obedient. This feels mean. This is a quote, but less intelligent than Christine. Do we got to be rude? Doesn't that just feel harsh and unnecessary? 
because for one thing, Christine's older. Well, that's like my whole thing is that just feels like a jab, you know, like. No, I'm with you. It felt it felt mean and unnecessary. Their employers, they were typically happy with their work, but Clemone, she wasn't happy with their pay. So she kind of eventually forced them to just hop from job to job. She just kind of forced them to keep moving, finding better paying opportunities. Which, you know what? All right, go ahead and find better paying opportunities. Totally fine. I'm not going to discourage that. No. But But making them find better opportunities so you can take their paychecks uh, feels wrong. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe you go get a job. Ooh, see, that's where I draw the line. Oh, okay. Well, no, not you. You have one. Clemence needed a job. I got you. Yeah. In 1926, the Papon sisters, they were hired as live-in maids for the Lonsilon family. Christine was about 21 years old, and Leia would have been about 15 at the time, 14 or 15. The Lancelon family, uh, it was Renee. He was the head of the household. He is a retired solicitor. There was Leone. This is the mom. They had one daughter who had already grown and gone off. She was married. She was living some, you know, with her husband. And then they had a younger adult daughter. We say it Genevieve. Man, the French say it so it was like a Geneva. I don't, it was beautiful, but you're not even gonna try to butcher it. I because I would butcher it, yeah. It was like Geneva or something. I don't know. It was Genevieve. Sorry, guys. Christine, she was hired at the house first and she was a cook. After working there a couple months, uh, she eventually talked to them into hiring Leia on as well. So Christine was a cook. Leia was working as a chambermaid. And they shared a bedroom together at the house. It kind of sounded like a pretty sweet setup. I mean, they did work 14 hours a day, six and a half days a week. So that doesn't sound great. Don't get me wrong. Um, But the Lancelons, from what I read, they barely ever spoke to them directly. They, it was said that Leone would leave notes I interpret it as like a, hey, this is what I want done today. You know, iron the clothes. The baseboards needed to be wiped. Here's just your the ceiling. Or... Yeah. It sounds like they left a toy, a chore list. A choy. A, a chore list. I caught your not being able to speak. It's me now. I just passed it along. Sorry. <laughs> they they shared a bedroom. The girls did. Uh, so it didn't, it didn't sound absolutely horrible. I mean, I know what it was like sharing a bedroom with a sister. So I'm going to say it was probably horrible. Well, they got along and loved each other. And uh, uh, I don't really buy it. Let's just, okay. I'm going to leave it at, they had a different relationship than you and your sister. I I will agree with that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely going to agree with that. Cause I remember correctly, but not great. Um, they okay. So they worked here for a couple years, and it was said that Leone eventually developed depression, and the Papon sisters kind of became a target or an outlet for her. 
She always liked a clean house, obviously, but she was said to become really critical of their cleaning. Eventually, she started assaulting them, um, attacking, abusing them. And from there, it was said to just get progressively worse to where she would occasionally bash their heads against the wall. Not a great look. That doesn't sound like depression to me. Just That sounds awful to me, but what oh, do yeah. I know? Yeah, I went around in the 1900s, but that sounds a lot, sounds worse than depression. Right. Thursday, February 2nd, 1933, Rene Lancelot, he had plans to meet Leonet and Genevieve at a friend of theirs house for dinner. And Leonet and Genevieve, they've been out shopping all day. And when they got home, the lights were off. And from what was said, this immediately made Leonet angry because this had, and it happened before, it had happened earlier in the week where something happened with, I don't know, the fuses or the switches, the power was off and she was coming home apparently aggravated because why aren't you doing anything when the, when Christine met her at the door, Christine told her that the outage was because of a faulty iron. One, and literally one source, but I had to keep it in here. One source said that the outage was caused when Christine urinated on the faulty iron. That, okay. That's uh-huh. dedication. Yeah, you really don't like your boss. That feels dangerous. Yeah, that doesn't feel like something you should be doing. No. No, I no. I cannot think of a reason ever that I would urinate on a faulty iron. I can't think of a reason that I would urinate on something. Well, I mean, jellyfish stings. I'm pretty sure that's not even, I think water's probably better. Warm water, according <laughs> to the EMT on TikTok, at least. Oh, I need to watch that EMT. That would be good to know. <laughs> I'm from the Gulf. We just we just be pissing on jellyfish stings down there, I guess. I don't know. And on Friends. They did it there, too. I feel like there's got to be something better than pee. Oh, f- a thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like the pee is always handy. You know what? There are days where it's like, you want me to give another urine sample? Can't do it. Can't do it. Sorry, guys. Not even if there was an iron on fire, could I give you another urine sample right now? I can't. I'm so sorry. I would love, I wouldn't even love to try. Like, sucks to be you. Like, what do you mean? It's going to have to split that one. You should have conserved it. Uh, All the sources, though, they did say it had something to do with a faulty iron. It caused a blackout in the house. Leone, she was immediately hostile. She attacked Christine. And Christine had had enough. She fought back. Like, what are you going to do? Just stand there and get attacked? She fought back. She, she lunged at Genevieve and gouged her eyes out with her bare hands. I feel like that has to take so much rage to do something like that. You know, like you have to be just Fed done up. I cannot 
I cannot imagine. Like, first of all, that can't be as easy as it sounds. Because the person is going to be fighting, right? They're well, that's going to yeah. be there. That's what I was about to say. Is like they're they've got to be fighting back. And then I don't know how much force that would take, but I don't want to find out. I just It sounds bad. She orders Leia to do the same thing to Leone. And Leia obeyed. She hopped too. She's like, all right. And she attacked Madame Lancelot. Christine, at some point, she runs downstairs. And she comes back with a knife and a hammer. And then the sisters use those to continue their attack on the women of the home. There was said to be some cuts on Genevieve's legs, but the majority of the attack was focused on their heads and faces. Um, At some point during the struggle, one of the sisters also grabbed a heavy pewter pitcher and smashed both Leonay. Huh? Say that five times fast. Heavy pewter pitcher? No, Uh I can't even say it once. And they... Use that to smash both Leone and Genevieve over the heads. They attacked the women for roughly 30 minutes. Just focusing on their heads and faces to the point where the the Leone women were just absolutely unrecognizable. Afterwards, they locked the door. They washed up. And they went up to their bedroom and waited for police. They made absolutely no attempt to run or clean up, hide the evidence. They kind of just sat there. So after a while, Renee comes home and he finds the house dark. He assumed that his wife and daughter had already left. So he goes to the, the dinner that they're supposed to be at. And when his family wasn't there, he goes back to his house to look for them because this is strange. Some sources say that he had somebody else with him. Some some sources say it was a friend. It was a um, his son-in-law. He did have someone else with him, though. When they got back to the house, it was about 6.30 to 7 o'clock. And the only light on in the house was in the room of the Papone sisters. The front door was bolted shut from the inside. The guy's like, all right, that's, that's strange. They're just like, this is our house now. It, it, yeah, it, that's that's kind of how um, Mr. Lancelot was. He's like, this is, why is, Why the hell is my door locked? I'm not in the house. So he goes to a local police station and they come back with an officer. This officer, this poor officer, he has to climb the garden wall in the back of the house to be able to get in because they can't, can't get in the front door. So he's having to just I don't know how tall garden walls are, but I don't feel like this is easy. I, I think it depends on uh, the, the person. But also, why is he doing all the work, you know? he's Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is, he is a great police officer. He came to work tonight. He's dedicated. Mm-hmm. I bet he just jumped clear over the wall. He didn't even climb it. He just single bound up and over. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then like dusted off his shoulder. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can convince me otherwise. <laughs> so he climbs the garden wall. He was able to get inside the house. And 
as he's walking through to the front door, he finds the bodies of Leone and Genevieve Lancelon. They were beaten. They were stabbed. Um, Leone's eyes were found in the folds of the scarf she was wearing around her neck. Gross. Genevieve's eyes, one was found under her body, and the other one was on the stairs at the end of the hallway. I don't, I don't, I will never understand people. It's, it's so wild that their eyes were just like across the house from their How? entire bodies. Yes. Oh my God. This was just oh, so disturbing. Now, originally, the officer that found this, he was worried about the Papone sisters. He thought, you know, they were nowhere to be found. They were originally worried that they might have possibly been attacked. So they go upstairs and they find their bedroom door was locked. They knock on it. They get no answer. So they send out for a locksmith. And they call this locksmith to the house. And once he gets the bedroom door open, Christine and Leah were found naked in the same bed. There was a bloody hammer with hair still attached to it, sitting on a chair across from them, just hanging out, I guess. No big deal. Let's, we, don't, we did not learn in uh, Committing a Crime 101 that we had to hide the uh, murder weapon. No, I guess, I guess not. Now, when police uh, questioned the sisters, they immediately confessed, didn't even hide it. They're like, yeah, this is, this is what happened. This is what we did. So they got arrested as hell. I mean, and good. they, now, while they said they did commit this murder, they also said like, this was in self-defense. Like we were tired of getting abused. We we're tired to be a hit. And they became, they became pretty much infamous overnight. The media gets a hold of this. And, well, you know, you know the media, right? They do nothing but good things. Yeah, okay. Do you want to hear what they called the sisters? Oh, uh, yes. So I found three of them. There's the Monsters of Lamons, the Lambs Who Became Wolves, and the Raging Sheep. Boy, did they, they did something for you guys. Mm -hmm. Those are some good nicknames. Raging Sheep is kind of my favorite. It sounds like a pretty good bat band name. I'm just thinking like, there are so many people that were like, what the fuck? I couldn't have gotten a better title. No. Well, it's the no. 1900s. No, that's not an excuse even. Because they were real flowery with their words back then. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to have all these people that are like, I couldn't have gotten something better. France, they were obsessed with the mixture of this brutal crime and the reserved nature of the girls. Because, you know, everyone's going to come out. Everyone's going to talk about it. Their past work references, they said that these girls were quiet. They were hardworking. They were honest, uh, proper. They had no criminal background. No known vices. They attended church regularly, and from what I read in this in this time period, uh, chambermaids or housemaids, they were given 
you know, a little time off every now and then. And a lot of girls would go out. They would date. The Pepon sisters did not do that. They went to church. They hung out with each other. That was it. The country was pretty much split. Most of France was calling for them to be hung at the gallows. Point, period, blank, get, get them out of here. But some people, they, did, they wanted answers as to how and why this could have happened. The Pepon sisters, they were in prison for about eight months between the murder and their trial. And they were separated while they were in prison. This, uh, Christine did not take this well. She called out constantly for her sister. She begged to see her. She rolled around the floor, seemingly in sexual agony. I'm not sure what that is, but it's a very interesting quote. I don't like it. I do, uh-uh, no, I hate it. And that's why I said it, because I needed you to hear it, because I had to read it. Oh, so you're trying to make sure that I'm just as scarred as you. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. She was also said to express herself in sexually explicit language, which I imagine was a no-no for a woman in the early 1900s. Ma'am, what are you doing? How dare you? How do you even know those words? Who has put this filth in your mind? That's it. Call the priest. There's a demon, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. Christine also suffered from hallucinations, and at one point, she had to be subdued in a straitjacket after trying to gouge her own eyes out. Why do we keep doing this? Okay, you're the one bringing up the eye stories now, not me. That's the, I mean, her. Like, why? Why do you keep trying to gouge people's eyes out? What do you? I'm fully aware of who you're referring to. I'm just saying <laughs> you're the one that's bringing up the eyes now, not me. Yeah, yeah. I. Past well, the torch. But also, why would you do that to yourself? Like, you can't see if there's no eyeballs. I don't know. I, I don't know anything about, like, I've, I've never done self-harm, so I don't understand that mentality. So maybe it was that mentality. But you can't see if you take your eyeballs out. Those are a vital part of seeing. The whole entire eyeball. I mean... Yeah, I feel like they're pretty crucial to to one sight, the eyeball. Yes. I don't get it either. I also want to know how fast they were to stop her. Because she's already she, done it at least once. But maybe she had a mental block trying to do it to herself. You know what I mean? Like, it's different if you go into a fit of rage, like what they've done. Because that's what it sounds like, fit of rage. You don't like all the adrenaline, but then doing it to yourself if she's trying to, I don't know, if she's trying to self-harm and maybe this is the first time and like that mindset that she may have had and the the panic behind it, or now she's also feeling the pain behind it. I don't know, but it's making me uncomfortable every time you put your fingers near your eyes. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> when I go, when I pretend I'm Yeah, I get anxiety. Eyes. Yeah, because you're like. You're doing the motions and you get really close and I'm just like, I don't need to. You I've, got, I've got protection. I've got the glasses on. <laughs> I mean, I can take them off and act it out if you need me to. Nope, but. that's fine. Perfect. Let's, let's move on, actually. <laughs> Shortly after this 
um, incident where she tried to gouge her own eyes out, she called the magistrate and she was like, hey, I got to tell you something. I didn't tell you the whole truth earlier, and I'm going to tell you the truth now. She tells him that she had become, she had been overcome by a fit, and she killed both Leone and Genevieve herself. Leia did not help. He didn't believe her. Okay, I don't believe her either. Mm-hmm. He said that this was an obvious ploy to have her sister freed. And when they finally did make it to trial, the jury felt the same way. And to kind of add more to this disbelief, Leia was still saying that she herself played a part in the murder. Oh, so Leia didn't get the memo. No, (laughs) she didn't. She did not get that memo at all. She was just over here like, no, I I did, guys. Hey, guys. that woman. Hi, I was involved, and her sister's like, shut up. No, you were not. She's like, yeah, she told me to. Just imagine. You haven't talked to your sister in months, see her, and she's just like, yeah, I did this murder, and you're like, shut up. I've been telling people it's only been me. God, Leia. Shut up. Ruining it. (laughs) Don't we have the sister telepathy thing? Didn't you hear my telepathy? telepathic is the word I'm looking for my telepathic message to you man those couple months apart really set them back really they finally went to trial in September of 1933 it was a madhouse the courtroom was packed people were crowding around the courthouse outside multiple times the judge threatened to clear the room because of reactions that were coming from the public gallery because they just they couldn't shut up. Guys, don't ruin it for everyone else. Be quiet. Apparently there was a particular uproar when they got to describing the eye gouging and talking about that. That was one of the times when the judge was like, guys, come on. Put your bubbles in. Put your bubbles in. Bubbles in? You never did that in kindergarten where the teacher's like, put your bubbles in, and you have to like because you can't talk with a bubble. You like puff your cheeks up. Y'all never did that? Never heard of that. Oh, just me? Anybody else? I know somebody else had to have a bubble. We had one, two eyes on me, or whatever it was. It's like one, two, three eyes on me. And then you had to look at the teacher. Did it shut you up? Yeah. Okay, yeah. When we were, like, walking down the hallways and stuff, and I mean, like, little, like, kindergarten, first, second grade, we would have to put our finger, put one finger in front of your mouth and put your bubble in where you just puff your cheeks out, and and that's what it is. You can't talk with a bubble. I think we told, we always zipped. I feel like I remember us being like, all right, zip your lips. Oh, that sounds fun. We never did that. That was just always a threat that my parents or other adults would give to you when they wanted you to shut up. They would zip their lips and you're like, oh, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) But we never physically zipped our own. Yeah, my parents gave us a look and we're like, okay. I know that look. I haven't mastered it yet, but when I do. You're working on it. I'll let you know. Practice practice a little more on Buck. (laughs) Oh, see, he's got it. He sat down. (laughs) 
He's like, okay, I'll sit. I'm being good. <laughs> so maybe it's not the look and it's the, the receiver child. of the look. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Good boy. What the heck were we talking about? Okay. During the trial, the girls, they, again, they admitted, they were like, yeah, we, we murdered them, but we're not having sex. We are not in an ancestral relationship. A lot of people. Yeah. Celestial. Incestuous. (laughs) Incestuous. (laughs) Oh, no, that's staying in there. So they, a lot of people accused them, I guess, because of how close they were and especially with the way Christine was acting in jail, along with the fact that they were found naked in bed together. People accused them of having an incestuous relationship. They were like, no, we don't. That's not a thing here. Not in this house. Yeah. Both women were found guilty. Christine, she was sentenced to death by guillotine. And when they announced her sentence, she fell to her knees. She had to be helped out by her solicitor. But her sentence was later commuted to life in prison because she was a woman. And from what I read, that was the standard at the time. Now we don't care. Now we just be killing women. In prison, Christine was severely depressed about being still separated from Leah. She refused to eat. She eventually got so bad that she was transferred to an asylum and she did not improve there either. She eventually died in 1937. The official cause of death was called Kachexi. Have you ever heard of that? I might be saying it wrong. I've never heard of that. I like it. Uh, I like the word. I hate what it means, but it's wasting syndrome. And it's just the general state of ill health with marked weight and muscle loss. So she just wasted away. Yes, exactly. Now, Leah, she was sentenced to 10 years hard labor. Doctors concluded that, and she she got it a little easier because doctors, they, they concluded that Genevieve had died before Leah joined the assault. Not sure how they did this, but... That was what they testified in court. They also noted that the jury took into account extenuating circumstances in Leia's case because they found her to be dominated by Christine. And doctors also testified that Leia's personality seemed to disappear into Christine's personality. Okay, so that doesn't surprise me much. No, I think we hear of that. Sometimes I know I've heard of it before. We might have talked about it before where you, a lot of times when you have like two people doing stuff together, like committing you have crimes the, together. The leader. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the one that's the follower. Yeah. In prison, Leia remained quiet and mild mannered. She was released after eight years for good behavior. And she moved back in with her mother for don't know why. I, I hate it for you. But she moved back in with Clement and they moved to, I didn't Google this one, sorry. They moved somewhere else in France. Yes. That's exactly what happened. You do know this story. I've heard it. Yeah. They moved to Nantes in France. There. She says that directly after she had Google say it. Oh, yeah. Did you hear it? 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I didn't um, hear it clear enough to know that's what it said, but Nantes. Yeah, Nantes. Only, only classy. Now, when they moved to Nantes, um, Leia, she got a job as a chambermaid. But not by Leia. She was going by Marie now. Um, they moved together. They lived together in Nantes until her mother passed. They kind of lost track of Leia for a while. It was pretty much assumed that she had passed. But there is, oh my gosh, there are a ton of books, poems, movies about the girls. And in 2000, somebody was doing a movie on their life and kind of just found her at a hospice facility. Leia was living in a hospice facility and she passed away in this assisted living facility July 25th, 2001. How old would that have made her? About 90. 89, 90, depending on the month. Yeah. Dang, girl. Yes, is which is that's insane. Um, she was interviewed before she passed. It was around 1966 by a French newspaper after one of the many books had been published. This was a novel style book. It was actually described as unfortunately written in a novel style. And I'm like, what does that mean? But they asked her about her and her sister and Leia spoke of Christine visiting her in spirit form. And she was convinced that her sister was in paradise. Ooh, I'm going to be the bearer of bad news. I don't think your sister's in paradise. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's how that works. I just don't think that that's what's really happening. Well, she also told this newspaper, and France was not happy about this. She told this newspaper that she was also saving up money to go back to Le Mans and rejoin her sister Amelia there. As a nun. I think it's a little late for that. I was going to, is that allowed? Because I'm not very religious. Are you allowed to do that? I mean, I don't know. I'm not the person to ask, but it does feel like maybe it's a little late in life to do that. Like, from my understanding, nuns promise themselves to God or something. I don't, I don't know if God is going to want the promise of a woman who gouged someone's eyes out and threw it down a hall or something. I don't know. Look, I don't know either. I'm just, uh, look, if that's, if he's fine with that, forgiveness, repentance, great. But if you're in your nineties. Oh no, this was before, this was before, well, like well before oh, okay. she passed. Yeah. She would have been about uh, 66. She would have been about okay 50. 55, somewhere around in there. But still, I feel like you're halfway through your life. And I don't know, it feels like maybe it was like a stretch to be getting there. But also maybe she saw how happy her sister that was a nun was. And she thought, mm -hmm. that's what I need or something. I don't know. I feel like her sister was probably happy because she stopped. She got away from her mother. Yeah, but it could have been that that was the life for her sister. Like, that's mm -hmm. what she truly believed in, and that was the lifestyle that she enjoyed, whatever it may have been. I don't know anything about her sister, but, well, that sister. But seeing that could have made her think, oh, being a nun is what made her happy. Yeah. Because you might be a little late in life, friend. Yeah. <laughs> Just a smidge. Yeah. 
right past the sell-by date. So I read a lot of this. Um, people argue that it's like a nature versus nurture kind of thing because of her father's alcoholism. Um, I mean, her mother had something going on. I Googled because I was very curious about mm -hmm. what the cutoff to become a nun is. Oh, okay. Um, so just these are just my Google searches and the first ones that are coming up. Um, on average, women become a nun around 18 years old. There are some places that are like you have to be 21 or older. There are some places that have an age limit cut off around 30 or 35. So she was a little bit. Oh. Okay, yeah. Dang, that's messed up. I didn't know you could be too old for God. Apparently. Yeah, it says uh, communities. Let's see, where am I? Uh, you must be 18 to 40-ish years old. Uh, they may accept women beyond their 40s and into their 50s, but it's not as common. Well, I think that's messed up. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I did some Googling really <laughs> no. quick. You're fine. Um, yeah, basically, I was just saying people argue the nature versus nurture because of her family history. I read that nowadays, apparently, like psychologists, psychoanalysts, they love the Papon sisters. And nowadays, it's said that Christine would have been diagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic. And Leia, she seemed to show signs of anxiety disorder combined with rather low intelligence, which again, just feel like, just feels mean, guys. Does feel really mean. But they argue uh, that if the girls had been separated during their youth instead of spending their time together as much as they could, that they Leia would have potentially lived a completely different life and never had gone to prison. I, I guess screw Christine. I don't know. I guess she was just doomed. But it's also widely accepted that the girls were suffering from a folly ado. Do you know what that is? No idea. Oh, I love it. It's basically, it translates to madness in pairs. And it's a shared personality disorder. And people argue like this could possibly be a thing. Because in the months leading up to the attack, Christine seemed to be growing more agitated and manic. And, and maybe that uh, yeah. behavior was mirrored in Leia. Exactly. Yeah. Huh. That is that's the story. That is the story and my horrible pronunciation of the Papon sisters. Okay. The Papin, well, the Papin girls. The Papin sisters. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, that story always gets me because it's just so, it's just crazy. They just snapped. They just snapped. They just, they snapped and then like, just waited, which makes me think uh, like, y'all didn't even try. They could have left and just never been, it's the 1900s. You could have left and just walked down the street and been like, hey, I'm, I don't know, Rachel, and this is Gertrude. Nice to meet you. We need a job and done. There's their getaway scot free. I mean, they did it, right? The Leia did, did it. Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know. It just, this, this one always blows. And this is one that I was telling you. I actually had my name on this one for a really long time. 
And I kept doing, like, I kept starting the research and I was like, I don't even, this is one of those ones where I want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. Mm. Like, I wanted you to tell me about it. That's funny because I could have sworn that I've, I think this is one that I'd seen on there and I'm like, damn, Bryce has it. And then for whatever reason, I was scrolling through and I'm like, what? I removed my name. Oh, see, I waited this time. This? time <laughs> this time <laughs> uh, but yeah like I, I did remove my name so it's one of those that we've talked about where it's like I know the story I've at least a little bit to some extent and I, I want to hear about it but I don't want to tell you about it I want you to tell me about it so. and this could very easily be a two-parter I had to cut a lot out but you could I well no you couldn't because this is episode 99 guys which means we haven't made mm -hmm. a big hype we're just gonna do really good stories for episode 100 yeah. um but we are getting to episode 100 which also means that our two-year anniversary is coming up too oh my gosh we've been together for two years for two years that's like almost as much as my marriage it's not even close for my marriage that's fine <laughs> just saying it's not there yet but we'll get there we'll get there it's fine well are you ready for a story i am because it looks like i'm gonna be excited okay well we we've covered a ton of hauntings a ton mm -hmm. of hauntings though we probably have covered more cryptids because you and i are cryptid girlies love them love cryptids and our hauntings you even covered a lake right like we've done a lot mm -hmm. But I don't think we have covered a ghost town. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> so that is what we're going to cover today is a ghost town, specifically Bodie, California, which was established in 1859. This was actually named after prospector W.S. Bodie, um, spelled differently only because someone misspelled the town name on a sign. So they... It was supposed to be B-O-D-E-Y, and they put B-O-D-I-E. Whoops. But it is his namesake in a way. One guy with one job just took this man's whole <laughs> town away. Can you imagine? I did all of this work, and just because you didn't go to, I don't know, 12th grade English. There were a couple, there were, like, debates on how it would be spelled. Some of them were B-O-D-Y, some of them were B-O-D-E-Y. Like, it just kind of went back and forth and this guy painted it wrong on a shop sign and it stuck so <laughs> Bodie California IE poor Bodie now poor Mr. Bodie I know Bodie is in the hills east of Yosemite and south of Lake Tahoe pretty close to the Nevada border anyways so the next town over is like 15 miles away from Bodie so 1859 it's it's actually pretty good distance away i mean not hugely but 15 miles that's a long walk and basically in 1859 it's believed that there are four prospectors they find gold in the stream bed but it is credited that ws Bodie was the one that initially found the gold and was credited with credited with this find and they would go on build a cabin and two of those prospectors would stay because gold yeah. i don't know like where... why would you go anywhere else <laughs> right i don't the other two went i kind of feel like they were planning to come back mm -hmm. 
I didn't write it down in my notes. That's why I feel like they were planning to come back, but they left for other prospects at the time. And then we're going to come back when things were a little more established. But Bodie and one other person stayed. Who knows what happened? It was the Wild West. We'll talk about it. Oh, okay. But reportedly Bodie and another man stay and they start preparing the deposit, right? They're just starting to prepare for this mine. And the winters there were a little more difficult than they expected. So the winter that they're there, they ran out of provisions in November. Oh my God, that's the start of it. <laughs> you haven't even officially hit winter. That's oh still fall. Oh my goodness. They didn't even make it out of autumn. Oh. And so they make a trip to go get more supplies. But on their return trip, they got caught in a storm. And W.S. Bodie would become lost and he would succumb to the winter storm that he had got turned around in. So his partner that stayed with him there, um, his partner in crime, I've, I mean, he's ended up finding Bodie's body later in the spring and they did give him a proper burial. He would be later moved into the town cemetery like 20 years later, but he unfortunately did not leave, live to see this town in its prime or really at all. Well, dang, they really just took every. This man lost everything. He lost his name, everything. his town. Man. He's, he is still credited, though. He is still, mm -hmm. like, the person that the namesake comes from. But they still go on. They establish this town. And in 19, nope, in 1876, this town is not big by any means. It's got a few dozen residents. But Bodie would soon be put on the map. California Gold Rush brought prospectors from all over, and between 1877 and 1882, the town's population would boom. They were estimated to have over 10,000 residents by this time. Holy crap. They boomed. Yeah. And with that many residents, they also had a very diverse population. They had um, all sorts of people just coming for this goal. And it was also believed that the town produced more than 38 million worth of gold and silver. Oh. Now, I could not get clarity if that was 38 million back then or what it would be today. So take that with a grain of salt there. Either way, it's a lot of yeah, gold. <laughs> it, it is. But Bodie was booming. They had 22 operating mines, ore mills galore. The town itself had developed distinct neighborhoods. It had a business district that was developed, motels, more than 60 saloons, general stores, mercantiles, stables, doctors, banks, uh, fire stations, pharmacists, union halls, schools, breweries, bowling alleys, dance halls, gambling halls, reportedly 200 restaurants. They had two churches, a Catholic and a Methodist church. They had two newspapers, a telegraph station, a post office, their own Chinatown. What? And what the hell? They had everything. They like had everything. Yeah. Everything. Like I, I kept waiting for you to stop because I, I was going to comment and you just kept going. <laughs> I could see you keep going to say something. And I was just like, I gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And by the town's peak in 1881, their main street was over a mile long. Like they were popping. So a boom town. They were a booming. Boy, oh 
boy. Well, while Bodhi is booming in population, their reputation also begins booming as a shooter's town. Bodie was known to have gunfights, murders, brawls, stagecoach holdups. Like, these were all common. They were the Wild West. And so I kind Bodie of was the Wild West. Yes. They You're were in California. You can't get much further west. Like, this is... Bodie is the place to Whoa. go. Okay. <laughs> they were the Wild West. And... At this time, it was believed that Bodie was the sixth or seventh largest city in California. Holy crap. L.A. could never. Never. And in 1881, a 32-mile railway was formed, or at least the, the group that would be doing the project. And it was formed to connect the town of Bodie to the town of Benton. The plans for the rail line never actually ended up connecting Bodie and Benton all the way as intended. How I understood it is that they did get a lot of the railway created. It was just never completed all the way to the intended areas. Um, but where they did complete the railway, they were able to help the town by bringing a lot of much needed goods. They needed lumber and cordwood and mine timbers and anything else that this town needed its provisions for. So that railway did actually help quite a bit for this town. So it got them through the next November. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now, Bodie's just doing their thing by this time. And, I mean, they've already reached their height. And early 1880s, the population does begin declining. Other prospects, people are going to different areas for more gold, blah, blah, blah. And in 1892, Bodie would actually set a record for themselves. They would become known for the first installation and operation of the world's first long-distance electrical transmission network. What the hell is that's that? like your power lines. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yep. Whoa. So, so the first one in the world. In the world. Long distance. Long distance. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So it was actually designed by the superintendent of Bodie's standard mine. They designed it to replace the facility's steam plant. It was just, steam plant was hard to operate. It was costly. So they were trying to replace that. They were able to locate a site for a hydroelectric station on Green Creek. And from there, they had 12 and a half miles of suspended power lines that they struck. So. That's cooler than I thought it would be. Like, Bodie's got some history behind him. Bodie does, right? Now, also in 1892, a kitchen fire would destroy a lot of the west end of Main Street in Bodie. They did rebuild what was damaged, but they did have a lot of people leave after that as well. But, I mean, the town, its I wouldn't say it's not stable, but I wouldn't say it's like the most stable because they are declining in population. And it's not the same once booming town that it had been. By 1910, the population of Bodie was recorded at just under 700 people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And when was it 10,000? 1880s. 1881, 82. So that's, what, 30 years? hmm Holy crap. Oh, well, again, a lot of people have just left to go do other prospects. Like, they had other options. Right, yeah. I mean, if your house burns options. down, what's keeping you there, I guess? Yeah. I mean... It was rebuilt. 
Well, yeah, but like that might time. as well. Well, the last Bodie newspaper would be printed in 1912. So no more newspaper after 1912. Major mining ended in 1915. So some of the smaller mines still operated after this, but the major mines would be shut down. In 1917, the Bodie Railway was just completely abandoned. Even the iron tracks were scrapped. Like it's done, by gone. In 1920, the U.S. Census only reported 120 people remaining in Bodie. Or what are y'all doing over there? <laughs> right? It is just dropping. And it's road still. Like, there's not, it, it's not fancy over there, right? It is still very much a Western, wild Western town. In 1928, there would be another fire that would claim the Catholic Church. The Methodist Church was still standing. In 1932, yet another fire. This time it was pretty significant and it burnt down a significant part of the town. Like most of the town was burnt to the ground. The fire this time was unfortunately started by a curious little boy who was playing with matches. Damn it, Timmy. Timmy. What did we say? Right. But also, uh, he either one of two things happened to Timmy. He either never touched a match again. Or that just, that He's just set him off. Arsonist now. Yeah, he just goes around the country burning down the West. I believe it. I believe it. But he is the, the arson bandit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, the town at this point is already tiny, right? We're talking 1920, 120 people. It, it just gets worse. It's damn near abandoned at this point. And the town's buildings, they begin to crumble from time, wear, tear, weather, just the elements. More and more residents leave, and ultimately, Bodie would become a ghost town that it was already described as. Like, it was already being described as a ghost town, and it just eventually became really that thing. The very last mine would close in 1942, and this actually closed for World War II because it was a non-essential mine. And they just never reopened after World War II. The Bodie Post Office would also close in 1942. In 1961, the town would receive national landmark status. Okay. And in 1962, California went ahead and adopted Bodie as the Bodie State Historic Park. Did you know you could just adopt a city if you're a state? I didn't know Did that. Not, no. <laughs> so they just went ahead and adopted that as the um, the Bodie State Historic Park. Okay. Since then, Bodie has been preserved and maintained by the Bodie Foundation. Today, reports state that a hundred of the original structures remain. That is not to say that it is the complete building. That's just the structure is at least somewhat visible in there. Buildings that remain include the Miners Union Building, which is now a museum, a firehouse, a jail, a standard mill, which has been partially restored. And to my understanding, you can do tours through there. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah. The schoolhouse, the Methodist church is still standing, the morgue, um, and a lot of smaller homes remain as well. And the two cemeteries are still intact, which those are, you know, of course, for people like us, that's where everyone wants to go is the cemetery. I don't want to go there, but. Well, I don't know. You said the morgue. I don't want to go there either. That would be so eerie. Can you imagine the the people that have oh my gosh 
okay, I think I have this later in my notes because I very distinctly remember typing it, that like in the morgue, the wallpaper from the ceilings is falling down over empty caskets. Like you just have, so Bodhi is kept in what is described as a state of arrested decay. So they're not exactly going in and doing improvements. They're only going in and doing necessary repairs. They're letting the, the buildings in the town still age. Like they're not doing it actively any restorations. So that's why I'm so obsessed with this because like, okay, there's one picture. Oh, so it, it literally looks like somebody just walked out and left their kitchen like there's plates on the table there's i don't know something made of tin in the cabinet but so like the stuff is there but like the the place is just dingy the curtains are still hanging but they're just barely there's barely anything left of them it's so eerie that they because they choose to do it that way right they don't even like fix things that are askew on the wall. They're just like, nope, forget that painting. That's how it lands. Yep. Basically. Basically. So cool looking. It's crazy. It's insane to see the pictures. And I actually um note to both of us, I don't know if we can post all of those pictures, by the way. Okay. Um, so we're gonna have to look at that. But today Bodhi accepts visitors for a small fee, eight dollars for adults and five dollars for children. And you can go wander around Bodhi. Hang out. Now, not all of the buildings are open for visitors, but you can look into many of these buildings, see what's going on. There are some that are open. It said it was open year round, but then you look at the website and it said it's open from March to October. And I'm assuming because after that, it's going to be snowed in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I did mention Bodhi is, they keep it in a, in a state of what they call arrested decay. They're just going to let it continue its course. With residents, in many cases, having just packed up what they could and left everything else, um, whether it was from fires or just not wanting to make multiple trips to Bodhi after they left, you can very much see everything was just left as it was. And Amanda already described one of those pictures, like family homes, you can look into the kitchen and they still have dishes on the table and there's still dishes in the sink or stuff in the cupboards or just all these crazy things. And on the flip side of that, I did mention, like, the morgue also shows its evident decay as you have wallpaper that's hanging off of the ceiling over these empty, empty um, coffins. And you can see all of that. Like, just, it's insane. Now, with so much history behind it, it's no wonder Bodhi is believed to be haunted, right? Uh, yeah, it feels, feels fair. <laughs> it's the Wild West, baby. Like. We're going there. So one home, the J.S. Kane home, which is found on the corner of Green and Park, is said to be haunted by the ghost of a Chinese maid. This spirit, they love children, love kids. They don't like adults. Now, I'm not quite sure how people sleep there now. I had some reports saying that the people that stay in this home now are like the park rangers. That was... One of the homes that was chosen to be restored in a way that the park ranger could utilize it while they were living there. Okay. But a lot of people report that when they sleep overnight here, whether this became was before it became the state park or after, they didn't have a great time sleeping in this house. Um, 
If you spent the night, a lot of adult visitors reported waking up to having a heavy set Chinese woman sitting on them, giving them the feeling of being suffocated. Um, I don't think that's in your job code, ma'am. <laughs> this, oh, right. not, I do not require that. I appreciate it. A blanket would be fine. <laughs> like I said, she does not like adults. So, you know. In this house, bedroom doors are often seen opening and closing on their own. Apparitions, adults will often feel suffocated or the feeling of being pushed while in this house. And it's, this one is also reportedly the most haunted house in Bodie. The Gregory house is another house that is said to be haunted. This one is believed to be haunted by the ghost of an old woman. They, it doesn't, she doesn't seem malicious in any way. She just kind of seems like she hangs out in her rocking chair because that's where she's always seen. She just hangs out in knits. Like, oh, okay. have at it. They yeah. also often see her rocking chair frequently rocking on its own. So she's Love there. It. She's just not showing herself. She didn't want to show you her project. Then you have the Mendocino household. This one is believed to have friendly spirits, though. Oh, okay. Because this one, Italian household. That's what I was told by the article. So I'm going Italian household. And Mrs. Mendocini. I think it was supposed to be Mendocini, not Mendocino. I think I auto-corrected it. Or I typoed it. I don't know. But uh, Mama M over here, she loved to cook for Italian foods. She was a proud Italian chef, okay? okay? Rangers report smelling her cooking when entering the home, and many visitors report smelling Italian food if they pass by this home. Okay, that's just mean, because I can't have any. She's cooking. She's trying to make you some dinner. It's not but her I fault. I can't eat your phantom food. That's just rude, man. And I bet it smells so good. <laughs> like I said, that's not even her fault. Real Italian, delicious. Ugh. Ugh. Homemade pastas. The, the works. Oh, my gosh. Also, in this house, you can often hear children's laughter coming from the other rooms. Oh, I love playing. that. Okay. In the Deschambeau house, people often see a woman that is peering out at visitors from one of the upstairs windows. Me. <laughs> that's it. That's all they see her doing is just like, what, what you doing down there? Yeah, Get that's off my me. Property. Yeah. Me as a ghost. Every time someone delivers pizza or DoorDash, I'm like peeking through the curtains. And James is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I that's might need to. That's a millennial thing. That's how I feel about it. But James is a millennial and he's like, you're insane. And I'm like, I want to know who's at my house. James is the insane one. Have you not seen the TikToks that explain this as a millennial thing? I remember, I remember vividly one night, why I remember this so vividly. There was one night, me, my brother and sister were all home. My parents had gone out. I don't think we were expecting them home anytime soon. But my dad knocked on the front door. We didn't know who it was. He knocked on the front door. Obviously, we don't know. And so me and my brother and sister were army crawling to the freaking window to go peek out at who it is. Yeah, like, you can't stand up. They might see you. Exactly. So we're like yeah. crawling on our freaking, we're army crawling on our bellies. And it was my dad. I also feel like that day they brought a dog home. I can't remember if that was the same night. I feel like it was. But. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> 
At the cemetery, the ghost of a three-year-old girl was seen. It is believed that this girl was killed in an accident when a miner's pick hit her head. Oh, my God. I didn't get more details. I It said accident. I'm going with accident. I hope. Yeah. Jesus. Her grave is marked with a white marble angel, and she has been dubbed the Angel of Bodhi. Aww. It is said that her spirit will come out and play with the living children who visit her gravesite. On the flip side of that, though, she's also seen giggling and playing with an unseen entity. Ooh, so. don't care for that a lot. I don't <laughs> yeah. like it. Mm-mm. I don't know. Not sure who you're playing with, but Mm-mm. not me. Keep yeah. in my distance. I'm going to, if I ever go to this town and I see a child in the cemetery playing, I'm gone. I'm not even going into the cemetery. I see that and I'm leaving. I don't care if that child is alive or a ghost. I don't care. I'm out. See, I don't know. I'm kind of the same way because I feel like at first I would be like, whose kid is this? And then I'm like, is that a kid or? Exactly. Was it a kid? Yeah, I got to go. If I can see other adults around, I'm out. I'm not checking on that kid. Even then, I can't promise. I might like hang back from a distance and call the cops. But I might kind of wait until someone like at a safe distance, obviously, outside of the cemetery. Well, yes. uh, and wait for another adult to come by and be like, hey, there's a kid in there. Go check on him. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. she's playing. She's fine. She's not crying. We're good. I just don't know whose kid she is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So there is the Angel of Bodhi. And in World War II, by this time, there's reportedly only like six residents left in this timeline. And Are they all they related? Six, six of them? I don't think so. <laughs> I think they're just, like, the ones that have lived there their entire lives. Oh, okay. They're the stubborn old men who are like, this is my yard. I, I don't know if that's really what they are. I'm just saying. World War II, they weren't moving. There's only, like, six of them left. Now, reportedly, while these six lived in Bodhi, five out of the six of them would die. Oh. One male resident would shoot his wife. Oh. Okay. After, not great, right? No. After he shot his wife, three other male residents murdered the husband. Okay. And after that incident, the three men that murdered the husband would see the husband's spirit attempting to attack them. And those three would die of strange and mysterious diseases. Whoa. That's so. really uncomfortable. Yep. And those three are believed to haunt the area as well. Now, footsteps are often heard throughout Bodhi. They see apparitions, noises, and a lot more unexplainable paranormal activity. But it's, not, it's, it's more than just ghosts and spookies. Bodhi is believed to also be cursed. Uh, <laughs> okay. So Bodhi gets these letters all the time. From people that believe they are cursed. And I've got a couple of them. You can have these godforsaken rocks back. I've never had so much rotten luck in my life. Please forgive me for ever testing the curse of Bodhi. Dear Bodhi, I'm sorry that I took this piece of metal from the town. I thought it was all a joke. But it wasn't at all. Things are happening. They're very hard to explain. Please find enclosed one weather-beaten old shoe. The shoe was removed from Bodhi during the month of August, 1978. My trial of misfortune 
I spelled that wrong. My trail of misfortune is so long and depressing, it can't be listed here. This nail was taken from the town of Bodie. This should not have happened. Nothing should leave Bodie. Also, who wants bad luck? Please put it back for me. Sorry I took the glass pieces. I thought they were pretty. My fish died the day after. So sorry for picking these up. I love antiques. And being a Christian, I felt so guilty for taking these on Monday. Not to mention Tuesday, we got a flat tire and my husband hit his head on rocks. I send these purloined goods along with my deepest apologies to whatever spirit I have offended. I feel better already. Confession really is good for the soul. And they have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of these. But what poor soul is responsible for going through all these letters and being like, damn it, like now I got to take back some rocks, a nail and a piece of metal and a shoe? Rangers. We're, we're going to talk about that. I'll talk more about it. So here's the thing with this curse. It is believed to have been made up and created by the park rangers in an attempt to dissuade people from stealing shit from the city. Oh, okay. So Clever. It was made up. They decide, like, today, I will tell you right now, they don't talk about the curse. Like, they're like, that was stupid of us. We shouldn't have talked about the curse. <laughs> now it's a nightmare. So it's still widely believed to be true, though. Here's mm -hmm. the thing. Power of your mind. What have we manifested? You know? Yeah. These, there's so many letters, like I said. And the earliest ones I could see online were dated back to the 1990s. Like, people are freaking out. Dang. The legend, if you didn't catch on, is that anyone who takes even so much as a rock from Bodhi will be punished with misfortune. Now, most state that it's just misfortune and bad luck you're cursed with. One woman claims the curse destroyed her relationship as well as caused her parents' divorce. Another blames the loss of her job on the curse. One even claims that after stealing from Bodhi, all of her family, unfortunately, began being diagnosed with cancer. Good. Oh, my Lord. In some reports, one family had even stolen a piano that they returned. A piano? Like they, a piano. The How whole I understand piano? The entire thing. How I understood was they stole it prior to it really becoming the state park. Because... Before that, it was just an abandoned town. And people just went up and grabbed what they wanted and left. I mean, I guess, but like, what the heck? What did, what did you drive yeah. out there? A U-Haul? Oh, my God. Okay. Well, one family returns the piano, reportedly. And they're like, well, now that we know about the curse, this is what caused all of our family's misfortune. Can you imagine how much it cost them to mail that? They drove it back. They oh, were like, okay. here, please take it. <laughs> <laughs> Others, however, claim that they are tormented with different ghostly apparitions, poltergeist activity, and just other supernatural nonsense. Like, some people are like, I just had bad luck. Other people are like, I'm being tormented by a demon. So, today, Bodhi Rangers do keep the letters. And some sources say they have them on display and showed, like, a wall display. Others made it seem like they were in a binder. That you could maybe flip through and see like all these letters about people's misfortune. Now, while we have fun hearing about these curses and these things, I just want to mention that there's just, it's more than a curse. First of all, that's theft. Don't take shit from a historical site. Okay. Period. Yeah. End of story. 
What you might see as a rock or broken glass or a nail, those are all items that are part of Bodhi's history and they are considered artifacts. So if you take something from Bodhi and you get your misfortune and ultimately you mail it back, the staff has to go through some, some freaking process to get everything done. So when they get it in the mail, they have to report it to police every single time oh, because no. it was considered a stolen artifact because it's a state park yeah so i'm just gonna say first of all dick move guys don't don't do that not funny that sucks all of us want an easy day at work just let them have their easy day at work so like i said you might see those but they have to they have to go through the process and file the theft with the police not only that, but they lose so much about the history of what you've stolen. You stole a shoe. They don't know where you stole it from, and they don't know where to put it back. So that has lost a lot of its history. They don't know anything about it. After that point, they even talked about, you know, the rocks that you steal and send back. That's the same thing. We don't know where you got this from. Every piece, every stone, everything in this park has its place. So as far as park services are concerned, everything in Bodhi is an artifact. Everything holds its story. And when you take it, the story is lost. They don't know where you took the item from. You could have taken it from a house, one of the prehistoric sites, or even one of the Native American sites. They don't know, and they will not be able to return it to its rightful place. So maybe just don't take things from Bodhi, California. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting insight that they have, which is why I wanted to keep it, keep it that note in there is because the park rangers now, I mentioned that they don't talk about the curse anymore. If someone asks them about the curse, they will talk about, look, this is the history of that item you are stealing. And they kind of go into that spiel that I did. I'm sure they do it better than I do because they are more passionate about Bodhi than I am. That but... is probably <laughs> rehearsed at this point. Right. They've said it so many times. They're like, yeah. listen, just read the sign. They actually say it in their sleep at night. Yeah. Every night they chant it and wake up refreshed, ready to just say it all mm -hmm. day long. <laughs> so they do treat it as now more of an educational to say, hey, this is why you shouldn't take things from here. Um, but they know people will because people suck. I will never take it. I don't even know if I will ever go to Bodie, though. I want to go see the ghost town so bad. I would go, but I definitely, I would not. See, okay. I I am the kind of person that, like, when I go historic places, I like to take, like, little rocks and stuff. But it depends on what kind of history that place has. Like, I've been to the Alamo. I have nothing from the Alamo. I don't want something from that place. But, like, I've been to a mountain here, and I I took a rock home. That's... Uh, you see what I mean? Like, it's kind of different. Like, I've been to a park here, took a rock home. I don't yeah. want the kind of history from a place like Bodie. And also, okay, so if you're, if you take something and you mail it back and you're like, take it, I can't deal with this anymore. If they don't know where you got it from, they can't put it back where you got it from. So who's to say that's even going to work? Just mailing know. it back, you know? But it is within the city limits of Bodie at that point. So does that break the curse? Does it? That's I'm not I, willing to test it. I have no clue because I couldn't find anyone saying they were still cursed. I'm not testing it. You don't want to test that? No, I pass. 
Okay. Well, do you enjoy our first ghost town? I love a ghost town. I love, love this city. This town. I don't think it's a city. It's a town. It's actually not. It's a state park now. It's it's and everything. I, it is absolutely I, everything. Except spelled correctly. That's correct. It is misspelled. But I want to go so bad. I want to see the town. That's what I'm interested in. Like that, the history like that, I want to go see. And I want to check out the saloons and whatever else is. I don't know if there's any saloons standing. But I would love to go see it. Um, at night, absolutely not. Oh, at night, no. Hard pass. But I think we should go to Bowie and stop at Tombstone on the way. Okay. So Tombstone, we'll meet in Tombstone. Oh, okay. Yes. Me and Tombstone head to Bodie. Done. Yeah. Okay. okay. Figured That's it out. the itinerary. <laughs> That's what we got right now on our yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter, Hell on Heels pod, Facebook, Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us. Oh, I'm sorry. That's X Hell on Heels pod. But you can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast Linktree. We are the first that should pop up. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon, where we're working to release our specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, suggestions, or just words of encouragement, please email us at helenhillspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye.